Section 21 of A Year at the Saints, translated by member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. November. Charity. This is the first and greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart. But the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Matthew twenty-two thirty-eight. 1. My God and my Lord, what need was there of commanding us to love thee? Art thou not most lovely in thy infinite perfections? And for the infinite love thou bearest to us, dost thou not deserve our love? How, then, is it possible that any one should not love thee? If there is such a person, it must be because he has not deserved to know thee. For a soul that knows God cannot help loving him, and loving him in proportion to his knowledge of him, so that if he loves him but little, it is a sign that he knows him but little, and the more his knowledge increases, the more his love will go on growing. St. Teresa A very elevated soul once gave her director the following account of her interior. A great flame of love springs up in my heart, Father, when I clearly perceive, in the time of meditation, how the most holy humanity of the Lord shows how much he deserves our love by that which he bears to us, while he loves us even as he loves himself. He manifests this to us, one, by the great things he has done and is doing for us, two, by the great desire he has to be loved by us, which he proves by so many extraordinary devices of love, and by remaining, as it were, in a state of violence, because he wishes to communicate himself and make himself known to us, that he may be loved by us, but as he finds no access, by reason of our want of proper dispositions, he cannot do it. 3. By the patience with which he bears the coldness he meets with from creatures he has loved so much, and which has no effect upon his unalterable constancy of love. Under these beams of light the soul sends forth various affections, sometimes of wonder that the divine majesty should be willing that the creature be loved with an infinite love, and the creator and lord with a finite and limited love sometimes of love but an excess love which devours and consumes it and it would desire the heart of a seraph to blaze and burn with the love of its god nay rather would desire to love him with that same love with which it sees itself loved by him and again of insufferable affliction at seeing itself destitute of the knowledge and love of god which are the height of its perfection and which would raise it to the divine majesty whom it so earnestly desires this pain is increased by the new perception with which the Lord makes it understand that not loving him is a positive slight to his power, wisdom, love, goodness, and so many admirable things which he has done and suffered for it. Oh, where can it rest, and how not sink into nothingness beneath this light? I assure you, Father, that when God placed before my eyes the great contempt I had shown to my love, when I did not love him, I did not know how I remained alive. Surely, if he had not suspended my consciousness, I should have died on the spot. Finally, the soul is enkindled with ardent longings and desires that its beloved may be known, and sends up aspirations and ejaculations to that infinite goodness, that it may make itself known in order to be loved. It professes its readiness to cooperate in the aid and advancement of souls, in whatever way may be pleasing to the Divine Majesty. It was thus that the loving Lord revealed himself to me, his most vile and unworthy servant. And when he mercifully imparted to me any of these graces outside of the time of prayer, 
as when I was conversing with others or at work, I fell into a trance and was so far unconscious that when the sisters spoke to me I did not know what they said, though I always understood the superioress if she required anything as matter of obedience. The blessed Jacopone was so much affected at seeing so many lose their souls by offenses against God in the carnival time that he went about crying, Amor non amator, amor non amator, quia non cognitor. Love is not loved, love is not loved, because it is not known. St. Philip Neri, too, often exclaimed, O Lord, I do not love thee, because I do not know thee. 2. When one has succeeded in placing his heart wholly upon God, he loses his affection for all other things, and no longer finds consolation in anything, nor clings to anything except God, forgetting his own honor and every interest of his own. St. Teresa While there is any created thing which can give me consolation and delight, says St. Bernard, I do not dare to say that the love of God is ardent and fervid in my heart. Holy Queen Esther, in the midst of her regal pomp and splendor, could say, O Lord, thou knowest well that I have never taken delight in dignity and royal apparel, nor in the banquets of the king, nor in anything have I found consolation until this day, save in thee, my Lord and God. St. Catherine of Genoa, after she had been struck by the arrow of divine love, often cried out, No more world, no more pleasures, and if she had been mistress of a thousand worlds, she would have thrown them all away to give her whole heart to God. St. Ignatius Loyola went so far as to have lost all attachment to anything that was not God, and he had nothing at heart but to please him and to gain his love. He said one day that if God should give him the choice of going that moment directly to paradise or remaining longer in the world to serve him and advance his kingdom, even with the uncertainty of his own salvation, he would choose the latter alternative. 3. Alas, we have not as much love as we need. I mean that it would require an infinite amount to have enough to love our God according to his due. And yet, miserable that we are, we throw it away lavishly upon vile and unworthy objects, as if we had a superfluity. St. Francis de Sales This good saint could not endure to have an affection for anything remain in his heart. He once said, Truly, if I knew that there was one thread of affection in my soul, which was not of God or for God, I would instantly sever it. I would rather be nothing than not belong wholly to God without any exception. St. Philip Neri, burning with these flames of love, often cried, How is it possible that anyone who believes in God can love anything but Him? And then addressing to God a loving complaint, he would exclaim, O Lord! Since thou art so lovely and hast commanded me to love thee, why dost thou give me but a single heart, and that so small? St. Augustine, to animate his soul to center all its love upon God, employed such incentives as these. What can please thee in this world, O my soul, or what can gain thy love? Wherever thou turnest, thou seest only heaven and earth. If in both thou findest what is worthy of praise and love, of how much praise and love must he be worthy, who has made these things thou praisest and lovest. My soul, till this time thou hast been long occupied and tossed hither and thither by many and various desires, which have ensnared thy heart and divided it among many loves, leaving thee always disturbed and never secure. Recollect thyself now a little, and ask those things that please thee, who is their maker, and since you admire the form, love its former, 
and do not lose thyself in what is made so as to forget him who made it indeed indeed my god thou art truly worthy to be revered and loved above everything on earth or in heaven nay rather all transitory things do not deserve to be loved at all lest we should lose thy love for when a soul that truly loves god knows that a thing is of greater perfection and more for god's service it pursues it immediately and without difficulty on account of the pleasure it finds in pleasing him ah my god what else is needed but to love thee truly and truly abandon everything for thy love for then thou wilt render all easy st teresa such was the conduct of st teresa herself and so she once said though i desire the new reform of a carmelite order that i might be apart from everything and follow my vocation with more perfection yet i desired it in such a way that i had clearly perceived it was more for god's service to abandon it i should certainly have done so with perfect peace and tranquillity for when i am sure that a thing is more perfect and more for god's service i am at rest and in the contentment which i experience in pleasing him i instantly lose the pain of leaving something which had given me satisfaction this was so true that in order never to fail in it she wished to bind herself by a vow to do whatever she might know to be most perfect and most pleasing to god a similar vow was also taken by st andrew avellino and by st jane francis de chantal in regard to st ignatius loyola it is well known that he sought in everything not only the glory of god but his greatest possible glory for this reason the church in the prayer assigned for his feast sets it down as his distinguishing mark that god chose him to spread his greater glory six when the love of god obtains the mastery of a soul it produces in it an insatiable desire to labor for the beloved so that though it may perform many and great works and spend much time in his service all seems nothing and it constantly grieves at doing so little for its god and if it could annihilate itself and perish for him it would be well pleased and so it considers itself unprofitable in all that it does, and regards its life as idle. For, as love teaches it what God merits, by this clear light it sees all the defects and imperfections of its actions, and thus derives confusion and grief from them all. And as it feels that its work is very poor to be offered to so great a Lord, it is at the greatest distance from vainglory and presumption, and from condemning others. St. John Chrysostom st vincent de paul was equally unwearied and insatiable in laboring for god and rendering himself acceptable in his sight nor did he think he had ever done enough for so great a lord in imitation of the apostles he forgot the good works which were behind him in the past and put all his thoughts and efforts upon advancing daily in god's service st charles was remarkable for this virtue as long as he lived he had an insatiable desire to honor god and to spread and promote his worship which spurred him on to labor without weariness he seemed to grow fresher every day under labors that succeeded one another without intermission while those who attended him were often prostrated by fatigue he never gave the least token of it as if labor were rest and recreation to him what is more after all the great undertakings he performed in the service of god he was never satisfied with what he had done but was always inventing new methods nor did he ever think or speak of anything but god and what might conduce to his service and honor six when one has arrived at the perfect love of god he becomes as if he were the only man on earth he cares no more for glory or ignominy he despises temptations and sufferings 
he loses taste and appetite for all things. Finding no support, consolation, or repose in anything, he goes constantly in search of his beloved, without ever being weary, so that at work or at table, waking or sleeping, in every employment or conversation, his whole thought and his whole aim is to find the beloved, for his heart is where his treasure is. In one word, he is like a lover who sighs only for the sight of his love, and whose love is his all. St. John Chrysostom Zeno, the monk, being absorbed in contemplation, went about one day, crying aloud like a madman. He happened to meet the Macedonian emperor, and being asked by him what he was doing, he returned the question. I am going to hunt, said the emperor. And I, replied Zeno, am going to seek God, and I will not stop until I have found him. With these words he turned away and left him. The blessed Raymond Ludo was so absorbed in divine love that his sole concern was love, and he could think and speak of nothing else. If anyone said to him, Whose are you? he answered, Love's. Whence do you come? From love. Whither are you going? To love. Who has brought you here? Love. St. Honoratus, the abbot, was so full of the love of God and so desirous to serve and glorify him that not only by day but even by night all his thoughts and affections were directed to him. While asleep he made short and fervent instructions upon the obligation and the manner of loving God, and his very dreams were filled with the love of God, piety, and devotion. Similar was the course of life of the glorious St. Vincent Ferrer, whose heart and mind were full of God. He was always thinking of God. He never spoke but of God, or with God, whether walking, sitting still, studying, or conversing, he always seemed absorbed in God, whose love appeared upon his lips, in his face, in his eyes, in all his sentiments, in all times and places, even when he was asleep, so that through the cracks in his door his room was often seen illuminated by the splendor that beamed from his face as he slept. The excessive heat which many souls suffered from the sacred flame would seem incredible, St. Aloysius Gonzaga experienced it to such a degree that his face appeared all on fire. St. Catherine of Siena said that natural fire seemed to her cold rather than warm. St. Peter of Alcantara so that if he plunged into an icy pond, the water would boil as if red-hot iron had been put into it. St. Francis de Paula said that he could light lamps with the touch of his finger, as well as with a blazing taper. The venerable Sister Maria Villani so that on turning her thoughts interiorly to God, or her eyes exteriorly towards some object of devotion, she would feel as if on fire, and she drank upwards of twenty quarts of cold water a day, without being able to extinguish this flame, and the water as she swallowed it seemed as if falling upon glowing iron. She was obliged, on this account, to give up vocal prayers and her usual private devotions, as they all served to fan this interior conflagration. St. Philip Neri, on one of the nights which he passed in the catacombs, threw himself on the ground, exclaiming, I cannot, I cannot bear it any longer. When he recovered a little, he found that two of his upper ribs were bent as if by heat. Two remarkable incidents deserve special mention at this point. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi frequently experienced this holy ardor, and one day she was unusually inflamed by it. She began to hurry through the corridors in the garden, and seized the hands of the sisters whom she met. She clasped them closely and said, Sisters, do you love our love? How can you live? Do you not feel yourselves consumed by love? 
she next went to the bell tower and began to ring a great peal upon the chimes the sisters came in a crowd and asked her why she was ringing i am ringing she answered that people may come to love that love by whom they are loved so much the second occurred in the time of st louis of france one of his ambassadors met one day in a city to which he had been sent a woman who was going through the streets with a vase of water in her right hand and a lighted torch in her left and who cried out with deep sighs o oh god o oh god is it possible when the ambassador asked her what she wished she answered i would wish if it were according to the will of god to extinguish the fires of hell with this water and to burn up paradise with this torch that god might be loved purely for love's sake seven it should be observed that perfect love of god consists not in those delights tears and sentiments of devotion that we generally seek but in a strong determination and keen desire to please god in all things and to take care as far as possible not to offend him and to promote his glory saint teresa saint jane francis de chantal showed how well she understood this great truth by a letter she sent to the superior of a religious who was looked upon as a soul filled with the love of god because she enjoyed extraordinary consolations this good girl she wrote greatly needs to be undeceived she believes herself highly elevated in the love of god yet she is not much advanced in virtue i believe that these fervors and exaltations which she feels are the work of nature and self-love therefore she should be shown that the real strength of love consists not in enjoying the divine sweetness but rather in an exact observance of the rules and the faithful practice of solid virtue that is in humility the love of contempt patient endurance of insults and adversities self-forgetfulness and a love that seeks not to be known except by god this alone is true love and these are its unerring tokens may god preserve us from that sensible love which allows us to live in ourselves while the true leads us to die to ourselves such was the love of st thomas of aquinas of whom it is recorded that he kept his soul always as pure and true as that of a child five years old eight the love of god is the tree of life in the midst of the terrestrial paradise it has like other trees six parts roots trunk branches leaves flowers and fruit the roots are the virtues by which love itself is acquired and the principal are nine in number one true penitence and reception of the sacraments two observance of the commandments and rules three fear of god four mortification of the passions and appetites five retirement and avoidance of the occasion of sin six examination of conscience seven humility eight obedience nine charity to our neighbors the trunk of the tree is surrender a self-will to the will of god we may discover what the branches are by these words sub umbra iliusquim desidera verum lady under the shadow of him whom i had longed for i rested the first of these is lively faith by which the soul can view the sun of justice closely without being dazzled the second true confidence in the divine protection by means of which one can escape being cast down in the midst of adversities the third ardent desires and firm resolutions and other interior acts continually directed towards obtaining true love the fourth constancy in remaining seated beneath this tree the leaves are one new grace that's freely given 
two interior sweetness joy spiritual gladness tenderness or tears three raptures and ecstasies referred to in those words introduxit me rex incelum venarium all these things are called leaves because they serve as an ornament to the tree and help to mature the fruit and in the winter of aridity and tribulation they fall as the leaves do from a tree while the love of god remains the flowers are the works and heroic virtues which the loving soul produces and are what the bride asked for in the words fulcite me floribus sustain me with flowers the fruits are the trials afflictions and persecutions which the soul bears with patience when god gives them to her or when she even procures for herself of her own accord to serve him better or to imitate jesus christ in suffering saint teresa it is no wonder that the saint knew so well how to describe this holy tree for she kept it planted in her heart and well developed in every respect the same idea of love was entertained by a good nun of naples called sister maria de santiago in whose life we read that she thought it resembled a beautiful tree planted in the good soil of the souls that possess it and producing abundantly the flowers and fruits of holy works one of the principal of these she said was love of our neighbor for which she was herself remarkable because she kept this fair tree of divine love rooted in her soul nine some torment themselves in seeking means to discover the art of loving god and do not know poor creatures that there is no art or means of loving him but to love him that is to begin to practice those things which are pleasing to him st francis de sales st vincent de paul devoted himself nobly to this holy practice observing god's law with so much exactness that those who watched him closely assented that no one who was merely a man could fail less than he he was constantly elevated above himself upright in his judgments circumspect in his words prudent in his conduct punctual in the practices of piety and so perfectly united to god so far as could be judged from the exterior that it was plain that the love of god was what animated his heart and ruled in all the powers and sentiments of his soul to regulate every motion and act it might be said that his whole life was a sacrifice to god not only of honors comforts pleasures and all other earthly blessings but even of what he had received more directly from his most liberal hand such as lights affections and holy desires nor did he ever wish for anything except that god should be known and glorified in all times and places and by all kinds of people to this end alone he directed all that he thought said and did ten the love of god is acquired by resolving to labor and suffer for him and to abstain from all that displeases him and by carrying this resolution into practice as occasion arises but to be able to do it well in great things it is necessary to attend to it in small saint teresa when this saint was much opposed in regard to her foundations she said that she never did anything without the advice of experienced persons that she might not in any degree fail in obedience for she added rather than commit the least of those faults they charged me with i would most certainly have abandoned not one but a thousand convents st vincent de paul was remarkable for this virtue because he would not consent to anything in the least contrary to justice simplicity and charity he was obliged to bear many unfavorable remarks indiscreet questions reproofs affronts importunities and other unpleasant treatment from members of his own order as well as from others 
In such cases he was never observed to give a sign of impatience or to utter a word of complaint, but rather, in order to show the strength of his love for God, he spoke and acted with more than his usual sweetness and tranquillity. 11. A very good way of exercising ourselves in the love of Christ is to acquire the habit of keeping him present to our mind as far as possible. This may be done in three ways. 1. When we have to perform any action to represent to ourselves the manner in which he did it while dwelling in the world, as well as the spirit and intention with which he animated it, that we may imitate him. 2. To think how he is continually looking down upon us from heaven, and shedding upon us the abundance of his graces and counsels. 3. To recognize him in the person of our neighbor. In this way we shall perform our actions with more ease and perfection. We shall avoid many faults as well as much anxiety and impatience, and in every service that we perform for our neighbors we shall merit as much as if we did it to our Lord himself. St. Vincent de Paul This was St. Vincent's own practice, and it raised him very high in the love of Jesus. He undertook no business, gave no advice, performed no action, without first fixing his eyes mentally upon the example or words of Christ, and on the rewards which he keeps prepared and freely dispenses to such as labor well. And in his dealings with others, he beheld in each the very person of Christ. Phrases like these were often on his lips. As Christ said, as Christ did, we ought to recognize Christ in all men. 12. Would you know how to stand in regard to the love of God? Here are the signs by which you may discover. As much as the soul grows in divine love, so much do the desires of suffering and of being humbled grow in it. These are the short tokens of the sacred fire. Everything else is but smoke. St. Vincent de Paul St. John of the Cross proved how firmly he was persuaded of this. When Jesus Christ appeared to him one day and asked him what reward he desired for the many trials and labors he had borne for love of him, no other, O Lord, he replied, but to suffer and be despised. One day, while they were chanting the words of the gospel, Simon, Joannes, Dulegis me plus his, lovest thou me more than these? St. Matilda fell into an ecstasy and heard Christ saying to her, Matilda, lovest thou me more than all things in the world? She replied, Thou knowest, Lord, that I love thee. Christ continued, but lovest thou me so as to be willing to bear all sorts of trials, sufferings, and humiliations for my sake? Thou knowest well, she answered, that no torments can separate me from thee. Then Christ said, But if these torments were terrible, would you bear them gladly and readily for love of me? And Matilda replied, Yes, Lord, most readily. This great love pleased God so much that it gave her the same merit as if she had suffered all in reality. 13. A sure proof that we love God alone is that we love Him equally in all cases. For, as He is always equal to Himself, the inequality of our love for Him can arise only from the consideration of something which is not Himself. St. Francis de Sales by this test we may perceive how pure was the love of this saint, for it never increased in prosperity, nor diminished in adversity, but in everything was directed equally to the Lord, and through everything he thanked and blessed him. St. Jane Francis de Chantal also gave this excellent proof of her perfect love of God, 
by feeling equally contented in consolations and in desolations of which she suffered many and for a long time the reason was as she said because in both she desired and sought only the fulfilment of the divine will by which she knew that both prosperity and adversity were sent to her true lovers of god said a holy soul are like the sun which though it is sometimes covered with clouds yet always possesses in itself the same light and the same warmth fourteen the measure of charity may be taken from the want of desire as desires diminish in a soul charity increases in it and when it no longer feels any desire then it possesses perfect charity st augustine st francis de sales used to say of himself i wish for very few things and those few i wish for very little i have almost no desire and if i were to begin life again i should wish to have none at all st teresa was so fully persuaded of this truth that she exclaimed o oh, love that lovest me more than i love myself and more than i can understand how shall i be able o oh lord to desire more than thou art willing to give me the surest way to discover whether we have the love of god is to see whether we love our neighbor for the two things are never separate be sure too that the more you perceive yourself to advance in the love of your neighbor the more you will do so in that of god to see how much we love our neighbor is the surest rule by which to find out how much we love god it is important then to notice with great attention how we walk in this holy love of our neighbor for if it is with perfection all is done and so we ought to examine ourselves carefully as to the little things that are constantly happening without making much account of certain high-flown ideas about the great things we mean to say and do for our neighbors which sometimes come to us in prayer which are never put into execution saint teresa the blessed angela de feligno prayed to the lord to give her some sign by which she must know whether she truly loved him and was loved by him the clearest sign he answered of mutual love between me and my servants is that they love their neighbors tertullian relates that the mutual love of the first christians was so manifest that even the heathens were much astonished at it and said among themselves see how these christians love one another how much respect they have for each other how ready they are to render any service or even to suffer death for each other's sake saint jerome says that in his old age saint john the evangelist was not able to come to the sacred assemblies except supported by the arms of his followers nor could he preach long sermons on account of the weakness of his voice but he would constantly repeat these few words little children love one another after a time those present became weary and asked him why he always gave them the same instruction because he replied this is the precept of the lord and if you observe this it alone will be enough in order that her nuns might be sure whether their actions proceeded from the spirit of charity st jane francis de chantal kept inscribed upon the wall of a corridor through which they were constantly passing a list of the distinguishing marks which the apostle assigns to this sublime virtue charity is patient mild without jealousy without ambition without self-interest without aversions it believes all hopes for all bears with all when any one in the chapter accused herself of a fault against charity she sent her to read these sentences which she called the mirror of the convent she often read them herself in presence of her daughters then turning towards them with a glowing countenance she would add 
though i speak with the tongue of angels and have not charity i am nothing and though i give my body to torture and to fire and have not charity this profits me nothing end of section twenty one